Hello and welcome to Dear Franny, the podcast of uncommon conversations about love. I'm your host, Francesca Hoagie. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. I know that you've got lots of other things you can be listening to right now. So thank you for tuning in. And today I am really excited about this episode. It is with my friend, London Hughes. London is hilarious and amazingly candid and brave. And did I mention hilarious? She is a comedian. She is a writer, an actor, an executive producer. She is killing it right now. I'm so excited for her and proud of her. In this interview, we referenced award-winning and hilarious show, To Catch a Dick. And you know this uh, podcast is for adults, right? (laughs) If you didn't know that, just heads up, because we're going to be talking about that show. And London is incredible. She has an incredible story of how she got into comedy, this amazing drive that she has, and this amazing faith that she has in herself and trust that she has in herself that I think I personally find really inspiring and hopefully you will too. And she is hilarious and candid about her love life and her dating life and her sex life. And as you will hear, as you will see when you watch, because you absolutely should, her show is all real stories from her life and they are crazy and hilarious and amazing. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with my friend, London Hughes. London Hughes. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Because you look so cute when you said it. Hi. You looked like so, your eyes looked so pure and it was so, that's the sexiest, sweetest way anyone's ever said my name. Oh, oh, I'm just so excited that you're on the podcast. I'm so to be here with you right now, Franny. Oh. Thanks for having me. Of course. So this is actually, this is how we first met yeah. on your oh podcast. My God. Oh my God, we've come full circle. <gasps> I've just realized that. How long ago was that? That was 2019 and we're talking February. Yeah. February, March, 2019. Yeah. So a year, a year. Yeah. More than a year. year. More than a year. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. <laughs> I know. the time gone? Time is extra crazy right now oh yeah it's going very slow but very quick at the same time does that make any sense yes it does cool it makes total sense that's how i feel yeah yeah but i'm glad you're here with me (laughs) i'm I'm the rona hasn't gotten to either of us i'm rona free are you rona free i'm rona free i did the test they pull it right up my nose all up into my conscience to your to your brain my conscience (laughs) (laughs) pull it right up there swiveled it around my conscience and pulled it out how long ago was that last week oh okay that was really recent oh okay what about you Oh, not that recent. Oh, good. Stay away from me. But I actually been to the doctor and I was like, okay. should I get a COVID test? And they're like, do you have symptoms? I'm like, no. They're like, nope. Really? Yeah. Is that how they're doing it now? Yeah. I mean, I could still do it just through the city of LA, but like. No, if you don't have symptoms, you can't really pass it. I hear. I don't know no, if that's... that's not true. I read it on the internet. It has to be true. If you don't have the symptoms, you can't pass it. Okay. So no one should take uh, Never medical take, advice no, from don't us. Don't take any medical advice from me. I mean, Dr. Franny, yes, but not me. <laughs> not me at all. But I read it somewhere. Also, that's Usain Bolt's got it. And if Usain Bolt can get it. Oh, anyone can get it, honey. And you can get it. You can have it and, and not have symptoms, which is why I was like, I wasn't asking because I had symptoms. I was asking because just to be you safe. You still have it, yeah. And they're, you know. I had swine flu and didn't even know I had it. You did? Yeah. <laughs> I won a, this comedy competition called the Funny Women Awards. It was the search for UK's funniest woman. And I won it with swine flu. And so I, what is what is swine flu? How does so it affect you? Swine flu is like 
it was something it was like a cool little like disease going around <laughs> in 2009 and uh, <laughs> only cool people had it and <laughs> And it originated from swine, hence why it's called swine flu. It was all the rage. Oh, my God. And it had an outbreak at my university, and people were just getting knocked out, like, severe cold, can't breathe, in bed, in pain, just severe, severe flu, diarrhea, everything. And I had it and didn't know I had it. So I had it, and I won this comedy competition with it, and then the next day, everyone was getting tested in my university, so I just thought I'd get tested, and they were like, oh, yeah, you've got it. And I was like, what do I do? (laughs) They're like, well, you've had it. It seems you've had it for a while now, so just chill. So... I feel like if I had COVID, I wouldn't know because I had full-on swine flu and didn't know. That's so crazy. I know. Wow. I've never had swine flu, but I am prohibited for life from donating blood because of... HIV. Because of... (laughs) Because you got the AIDS. I know it. I knew it. Because of Mad Cow. Stop. Which I never had, what, but so, because I studied abroad in London in the nineties, when it, when it was popular, right. all the rage, all when when, when all the when cows were mad, cow. all the cows were mad in London. <laughs> it was all the rage, yeah. Because of that, like when you go to donate blood in the U.S., they ask you, like, did you spend, you know, more than six months in the U.K. between this, this year ha- and, and this? Ha- and I'm I'm a yes, so so like, I can't donate blood in either. No, you cannot. <gasps> but what if I want to? I know I want to. I wish I could. I used to donate it, and then they updated the guidelines for mad cow and now i can't donate anymore well (laughs) me and you both so it's your loss america you can't get mine or francesca's blood because we were both in london during mad cow well i don't eat eggs well i do but i don't like the taste of eggs or the smell of eggs i don't know because when i was a baby there was a salmonella scare oh lord and but most babies in london who were born in 1989 (laughs) babies in london that were born in 1989 grew up without having egg and if you don't eat egg as a baby egg as an adult is a very different experience oh interesting when you don't eat egg as a baby egg as an adult just smells really bad it just smells worse than Wow. But none of my family, all my cousins, like, we never had it because there was a huge scare. <laughs> Salmonella and eggs, and so babies didn't have them. So, yeah, that's the thing. Okay. So, I had no idea. And that concludes our disease <laughs> podcast. Is, okay, and the infectious disease yeah. segment is, is over. It's over. We've done that. So, now let's talk about comedy. Hey, <laughs> let's do that. So, how did you get started in comedy? Do you know what? It's so crazy. From as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to be on television. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I just knew that like TV, in that TV is where I wanted to be. And my mom said that when I was five, she found me trying to get on TV by climbing around the back of it. Like I was like <laughs> nearly hurt myself, nearly electrocuted myself trying to get into Inside. the TV. Oh, and so for me, it's always been TV. Now I didn't know that I could be a stand-up comic because in Britain they were all white men. So for me, a young black girl, I don't know if you could tell I'm black, <laughs> Listeners, but I am <laughs> a young black girl from South London didn't think that she could do stand-up per se but I definitely knew it was television and when I was at university the plan was to study television at university which I did and then get a degree and then audition for Big Brother <laughs> <laughs> And then like, so I have the degree, so I have all the homework done. Then I audition for Big Brother, be really entertaining, be really funny, then get a job and use the skills I've learned from university to combine with my entertainment profile from being on Big Brother to being a superstar. Like that was the dream. (laughs) That was my British dream. My American dream was to track down. So I used to watch the credits 
of TV shows because I thought that in the credits of like The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, I thought that like Will Smith's address would appear. That's why it was going so fast. So I would like watch TV shows and wait for the address and I was going to write a letter to Will Smith and be like, hi Will Smith, I'm London Hughes. I'm 11 years old and I'm really funny and you need to put me in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. By then the series had been finished for 12 years. I was watching reruns. But it doesn't matter. I was wondering, I was like, like, I'm like, yeah, the math. Yeah, no, it was finished. Well, it came to England late, okay? (laughs) So it already been finished for 12 years, but I'm like writing letters to Will Smith, like I want to be a star. And that was the dream. In America, it was either go on Big Brother in the UK or get to America and be on like the Mickey Mouse Club. I remember being like 12, yeah, 12 and knowing that Britney Spears made it at 12 and a half. And I remember speaking to my mom like, Britney Spears made it at 12 and a half and I'm 12. So what are you going to do about it? Like, when are we going when are to we America? Going to a, I haven't been on Barney. I haven't been on Mickey Mouse Club. What are you doing for me? What are you doing for my career? So I remember like, I had these plans and I had all these plans and none of them involved stand-up comedy. Oh my God, and whilst, so I, whilst I was at university studying television studies, a guy that I was sleeping with was like, you're really funny. You should be a stand-up. And I was like, I can't do that. And he was like, of course you can. You can do whatever you want. And I was like, Okay, so I like wrote five minutes of like stand up down and like anyone at my uni who knew me knew that I could dance. I was that girl that was doing dirty wine in the splits on the dance floor in the (laughs) middle of every nightclub. Like I was like the crazy break dancing, drop into a split robot kind of girl. And so my like president- Still are. Still are. My uni president was like, London, we'd love you to dance at our university talent show. And I said, only if you let me do stand up. And he was like, "Uh." (laughs) are you funny? And I was like, Yes. Have and you I, seen me dance? Have you seen me dance? If I can dance, I can do stand-up. And he was like, okay, uh, as long as you dance in the first half, you can do stand-up in the second half. So in the first half, I did a dance to Sierra's Like a Boy. Oh my God, is there a video? There's no video. Oh. But I can tell, I can paint the scene. Imagine <laughs> I was dressed in like a tracksuit bottoms, like Nike tracksuit, sweatshirt, hat back, and I was dancing like a boy. Then halfway through it, I pull it off and I'm in a ballerina dress and I start doing ballerina bits at the end. Because... <laughs> Because, yeah, like a boy. So I did that. And oh then in the God. second half, I did five minutes of stand-up about the fact that men play PlayStation games too much. And it went so well. Like, oh. it was just a five-minute rant that just things I used to say to my boyfriend when he would piss me off. And, um, yeah, it, girls resonated with it. Guys resonated with it. And that was the beginning of the wow. rest of my life. And you were hooked. Well, it wasn't even I was hooked. Everyone else was. So this is what happened. I'm just such an overachiever, eager beaver, that when I was prepping for this performance, face Facebook had just been invented. And so I tracked down these comedians on Facebook and they went to another university and they would they had like a little comedy spot called the Sunday Show in Soho where anyone who's anyone would perform. And I found these comedians on Facebook, messaged them for advice and invited them to watch me perform. <laughs> and they came. They did. And I didn't know they were they there. They came to your school. They came to my university to watch me perform. So when I came <laughs> off stage and killed it, one of them grabbed me in a headlock and went, you're going to be a star. You are going to be a star. <gasps> oh my and God. And then that, so I performed on a Tuesday and by Sunday I had my first gig at the Sunday show. I performed stand up there, the same set, killed it so much that the managers of the event offered me a weekly spot. So I went from never doing stand up before to hosting the night. And when I tell you this was the place to be wow. on a Sunday night, imagine I'm on stage telling jokes in the audience is Daniel Kaluuya, Adele, performing Ed Sheeran, Sam Smith, anyone who was anyone around that time who was a creative was at the Sunday show. And that's where I used to start doing stand up. Oh my God. 
God. Yeah. That's a crazy story. Crazy. You know what? I just think of like hearing that story. There are so many people in your situation. If you know, your boyfriend or somebody was like, Oh my God, you're so funny. You should do stand up would be like, no, No. I'm not. (laughs) I just think that 99% of people would hear that kind of feedback and just totally ignore it. Yeah. So, I feel like because were you like were you like maybe this is my way to get on TV yes yes okay 100 I was like I'll do stand up and then I'll get on telly so it'll be fine I didn't know that I could make money from it I didn't know that I'd be sitting here in LA move to America right 10 I'm, look, years I'm looking later. out at the pool you're looking out like... at the pool the sun is shining I just had some crazy food you bought me I don't even know what it is but I loved it life is good like I didn't think I would be sitting here. 10 years later saying comedy paid my bills ever since. I've never had a normal job. The last job I had was part-time at, whilst I was studying at university, I was working in TGI Fridays. And the Sunday that I was supposed to perform at the Sunday show, um, the Friday I was supposed to perform that weekend, I got the sack. I got fired from TJ Friday. And so if Perfect. they hadn't got fired, I wouldn't have been able to perform at the Sunday show that Sunday. Look at, look at the universe. I know. Oh my God. They fired me for being late. We had a new American boss <laughs> and he was like out with the old, in with the new. And anyone who messed up is just like no strikes, you're out. And wow. I, I came late because I didn't want to be there. Perfect. And then that Sunday, I got a job, £100 a night. Telling jokes. Oh my God. I was like, wicked. That's amazing. Yeah. So your boyfriend at the time who Mm -hmm. gave you this idea, Mm -hmm. where is he now? Who knows? Probably got several baby mothers or in prison. I don't know. I mean, he must at this point have like seen you on TV and been he like... Must, he must. I hope I mean, he's telling this story. Yeah. I, his name was Lawrence. I feel like you should track him down and, and just say thank, thank you. you. Yeah, maybe. Right? I might do like one of my movies. You know when they do the special thanks? My first movie, I'll put special thanks Lawrence Kimboa. Thank you, Lawrence, for saying I'm funny. But I knew I was funny. Like, people would tell me I'm funny all the time. But he was like, do stand up. He was yeah. the first person to like... People would be like, you should have your own show, which is very easy. Easy to say, right, right. I'm just going to get my show tomorrow. Like, do you know what I mean? Whereas stand-up was something I could tangibly do. do. Yeah. Whereas just getting my own TV show would be very hard at 18. Mm-hmm. But yeah, being doing stand-up was fine. So. Oh my God. And then Crazy. also the comedians who you messaged on Facebook. Yes, I'm still friends with them. You are? Okay. Yeah, so That's one of them incredible. lives in Austin, Texas now. His name's Jamie Howard. He was one of the very first to discover me and was like, got me a spot at the Sunday show. And Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Crazy. That is amazing. Well, and now you are an award-winning oh. comic. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh. And writer. Yes. Creator. Exec and producer. Exec producer. I mean, you're, feel free to share as much of your news as you want to yeah. share in this podcast. Basically, I have. It's called <laughs> To Catch a Dick, and yes. it's about my love life. It's all true. Um, and that's insane. And yeah, that's that's something that I'm really proud of, and it's, I can't wait for the world to see it. I can't wait for the world to see it, too. Oh, 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 it looks so it's good. so good. Oh, it's such a funny show. Okay, so yes, To Catch a Dick mm-hmm. is the name of your award-winning show, mm-hmm. and... So how did that come to be? Like, has your comedy always been that personal? Yeah, so I've been talking about catching dick since 2010. (laughs) Like, I would go on stage and be like, I want to sit on your face. And I sat on this guy's face last week. And and then people would be like, oh, it's so vulgar. Oh, my God. Oh, how, oh. But you know what's happened? Zeitgeist has changed. And people have realized that women can own their sexuality. You've got songs like Wet Ass Pussy (laughs) being the number one song in the country, in the world. And so, like, women have really started, like, owning their shit. It. and mm-hmm. then so when I started talking about sex 10 years ago it was frowned upon and now that everyone thinks I'm like so current and so <laughs> powerful and feminist and brave yeah. and it's like I'm just doing me 
You are just, I'm just doing being you. myself. Oh my god. Yeah. So have any of the guys that you or any of the people because it's not just men that you're yeah. talking about. It's like friends. Yes. And, oh my god. There's uh, a character named Dribbles. I'll yes. never forget. Dribbles. <laughs> Dribbles is a real person. She has not seen the special. She probably will, and she'll know I'm talking about her. But hey, her. What are you gonna do, Dribbles? <laughs> I'm sorry, babe. I don't say your real name. I just say dribbles. Everybody <laughs> needs to watch To Catch a Dick. They really and do. you need to hear this story for yourself because yeah. it is, I mean, I knew when I saw the show that it was like, this was your real life, yeah. the stories you're telling. But then when you told that story, I was like, okay, she's got to be making that nope. up. Nope. All real. All real. <laughs> and I have like, they are real people. And it's the reason why my mom has never seen the show because my mom mm. will be like, I know these people. I knew that time. Like, I'm not going to give anything away, but yeah. yeah, she will be mortified, I feel. But then I talk about my mom in the show and I tell my mom every joke I say about her okay. and I've told her and she's fine with it. Okay. She's like, it's the truth. Yeah. So she's fine with it. But like, that's my truth that she doesn't know that I'm not fine with. So <laughs> I kind of don't want her to watch it, but I just bought well, her a new television. So stupid. You know what? It was only a matter of time. She's going to watch You it. weren't going to be able to hide mm. all the dirt from your mom well, forever. She's seen me do stand up and talk about dick. Mm -hmm. And like, I did. How does she feel about that? She's, so this is the craziest thing. I did stand up and I did a show and I was talking about dick and sitting on face. And there was, it was audience. <laughs> It was like an audience like response. So I was like, vote. You had to vote for what I should do. Should I A, sit on his face? Da, da, da. And my mum would be like, sit on his face. Like all really excited. And after the show, I was like, mum, why do you get so excited about the sex bits? Like, why did you scream sit on his face? And I was like, why did you do all that? And she's like, oh, it's because I know you're only joking. <laughs> you would never really sit yeah, on someone's face. Yeah, so she face. finds it actually even more hilarious that her daughter is talking about sex because that's not something she would do. <laughs> So it's so hilarious. When she watches To Catch a Dick, oh, she'll know denial. I really did do that stuff. Yeah. I think she thinks, I didn't tell her I lost my virginity until I was like 25. So she generally doesn't think I lost my virginity until I was 25. I never bought guys home. I bought two boys home. I'm 31 and I've bought two boys home. Mm -hmm. So for her, she's like, she's clearly just not that way inclined. <laughs> and my mum's the biggest hoe of her life. She was pregnant. Not saying that if you get pregnant, you just you're a your mom. My mum's a hoe. hoe. She's a hoe. So is my grandma. But I'm okay with it. My mum's like got pregnant at 18. Mm -hmm. And she told me she wanted me to, me to be pregnant by 21. Oh, wow. So the fact that I'm 31 and not pregnant, she's like, my daughter's just different. <laughs> <laughs> she's just different. Oh, my God. She's just concentrating on her career. That's like, so funny. She, my mum's an independent woman who's married, got her pro several properties and worked very hard. But she's also like, have a man. How's your man? Where's your man? Have you got a man? How's LA? Did you find a nice man? Where's the man? Like, that's how she is. And I'm like, mum, you're such a badass bitch yourself who's independent, but yet you care that your daughter hasn't got a man. And she's like, yeah, because you're in LA by yourself and you're my only oh. daughter. And the happiest day of my life will be when you give birth. Oh and my I'm like, goodness. You're already that's a, a grandma. I know. She's already a grandma. She's, she'll calm down. When she realizes there ain't no birth happening, she needs to calm down. So, <laughs> even my psychic said that she doesn't see any kids in my future. So. Who is the psychic? So let me get her full name right because she's actually really good. So I'm curious. Um, well, okay, so while you're finding out about your psychic, <laughs> so dating. Yeah. And so the reason that you and I first connected fell in love. And slash fell in love. Yes. Get it right. <laughs> Let them know, Francesca. I'm sorry. 
I love you, London. I love you too. I'm going to get on record on, on record. my podcast for everyone to hear. I love you so much. I love you too. Okay, cool. Now we've got that out of the way. Okay. Tell them how we met. So one of your podcast producers reached out to me. Mm-hmm. I actually don't even know how she found me, but she reached out to me and said, you know, to tell me about your show and that you were moving to LA, you know, for business mm-hmm. and being a star and all of that. And, you know, that you wanted to talk to an LA dating coach to give you advice about dating in LA. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the advice that I gave you? You gave me, to be honest, you made me feel good about myself because I was like, oh, I don't even know if I'm going to get a guy because I don't look like a model. And because what LA's like to me, LA was this crazy place where everyone's a model and everybody's beautiful. And I'm this curvy British black chick who's, who's mouthy, beautiful. Who's beautiful. <laughs> and you made me feel beautiful in our, when we oh. spoke. You, made me, you gave me LA confidence, which is different to British confidence. Oh, tell me the difference. Well, I'm like a British seven, which makes me like a LA four. <laughs> That's why. So for me, I'm like, oh, I've got confidence. Oh my God. What are you talking about? I'm an LA4. I reckon. I don't know about that. I think so. No, I disagree. Well, I was like going into this from Britain. We're not known for our good looking people. Oh, so, like, so for me, I was just like, listen. Like you've got beautiful teeth. I, beautiful I have beautiful smile. teeth. I give great head. Like beautiful. these are the things I put. Like I just... <laughs> Some people put emphasis on other things. Tell me about your friend London. I mean, she's got beautiful teeth. teeth. She, she gives, gives great, great head. head. Like, that's what I'm saying. That's what they're going in. I let them know that from the beginning. So my stocks go up, you know? Yeah. I'm competing with these metabolism bitches. I'm competing <laughs> with these girls that can, like, eat a full steak and then just be fine. And the next day, nothing. Like, it's just crazy. Oh, my God. London, so, stop it. Well, I'm we talking were, about you. We I'm, were, I'm talking about yourself. No, you're not. Listener, no. if you're not aware, Francesca is one of those bitches. She, her metabolism is blessed. Blessed. Anyway, London and I have already had, we've already had this conversation today. And, you know, I'm trying to get her to accept her beautiful. I can accept it. I got bullied as a kid. I think anyone who got bullied as a kid. Yes. And I thought I got bullied because I was ugly, but I actually got bullied because the bullies were jealous of me. But Mm. at the time, I didn't know that. That's always the case. The bullies are always, they see something in you that they just, it's just something they either wish that they had or something that they do have and they can't accept it. And I annoy them in whatever way because I'm a reflection of what they do or don't like about themselves Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But as a kid, I didn't know that. of course not, yeah. So I remember when like the hottest guy, so I went to an all-girls school and there was a boys' school nearby and there was like the hottest guy in the boys' school. Were there a lot of black girls in your school? Yeah, it was like 75% black. But these were like, when I say 75% black, I feel like the connotation is the school was a bad school. I don't know why. Maybe because I've seen a lot of American shows where black schools are seen as bad schools mm-hmm. but this was a very good school it's very high achieving all black school and all female um there was a boys school which was low achieving and all the bad boys went there and um <laughs> and you're like i want corner. one of those <laughs> yeah and there was the hottest guy in the school at the time his name was kyron and he was beautiful dark skin like a, he was that like sounds a, like a guy who'd be hot when he's a teenager oh uh, dark like really tall dark skin michael b jordan now but as a teenager mm-hmm. and that, like that vibe <laughs> and like i was walking home one day and he no, I was walking to school one day and he was like pulled up on his bike and was like, oh, hey. And I was like, uh. <laughs> and he was just like, hey, you going to school? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, can I walk with you? And I was like, uh. <laughs> and he walked me to school and then he was like, what's your number? And I was like, is this a joke? And I'm looking around because at the time I hadn't fully grown into my face and I felt like I wasn't cool or hot or sexy. I definitely wasn't sexy. So for me, I'm like, this hottest boy in the opposite school is like asking me for my number. Like, is this a joke? And like, 
there was no one around. It was just me and him. And it was not a joke. It was very serious. There were no cameras. Was you no weren't cameras. on I went on punk. And he, <laughs> and I gave him my number. And then oh. I was so excited about it that I told everyone about it in school. I told all the girls. And all the popular girls were like, did you hear London saying that Kyron answered for her number? She's chatting shit. And I was like, I'm really not chatting shit. He really did. And they were like, I don't believe it. And I was like, here. And I showed them like his number in my phone. And they were like, you must have gotten that from someone else. Or you must have stolen it. And I bet that's not even his number. And I was like, well, it is. And he did give it to me. And then one of the girls had his number. So she rang him. She was like, hey, Kyron, come to school. I want to speak to you. So after that, at the end of the school day, Kyron shows up to meet with one of the popular girls. And I leave school and I just see a crowd of girls around Kyron. And I'm I, as I walk out of the school, Kyron's standing there looking like he doesn't know me. And the girls are like, Kyron, London's saying that you asked her for her number. Did you ask her for her number? Oh. And Kyron was like, no, why would I ask her for her number? She's fucking ugly. And they all laughed at me. And so that is why I oh think I'm unattractive. This is a horrible, <laughs> traumatic story. It happens story. a lot. There's a, in my high school, there was a lot of guys popular guys finding me attractive and then when I told anyone about it they would deny, deny, deny and make me feel crazy. It's happened three times in one high school. Wow. Yeah. Oh and it was, all, it was all black guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know. It's so traumatic. So the, he was the best one. The worst one ended me in me like getting beat up <gasps> by one of the girls. Yeah. Girl, you've been through it for I've love. I've been through it for love. There was a guy that like there's a really popular girl who she had a crush on this guy called Kyle that everybody thought was hot. And I'm like in grade nine. So the ninth grade. So I'm like in the ninth grade in the UK, I'm like 14. Mm -hmm. And this popular girl had a birthday party and Kyle was there and I was there because I was finally infiltrated the popular group. So I was very happy to be there. And so I'm just being cool and like drinking my Capri Sun and like talking about Scooby-Doo and keeping it light. And um, Kyle showed up and we were all chatting. I didn't even make eye contact with him. And then all the girls left to go outside. And as I was leaving the room, it was the girl's bedroom. Kyle grabs my arm and he's like, where are you going? And I was like, I'm just going to follow the girls. And he's like, come and chat with me. And I I was like, uh, so he pushes me down on the bed. Oh no. And I'm like, this is sexy, but this is scary. And I'm a virgin at this point, never even kissed a boy. And like, he like pushes me down and aggressive. Like, puts his face by mine and like goes to kiss me, but then starts tickling me instead. So I'm like laughing and joking and tickling, like laughing. And like, we don't kiss, but it's very much like he wanted to, but yeah. then didn't. So tickled me. And then one of the girls walks up the stairs and he can hear them. So he jumps off me and acts like it didn't happen. What? And so I'm like, what the hell was that? And so I, I didn't say anything for the rest of the party. But the next day, I told the girl who was walking up the stairs, I was like, you know, as you were walking up the stairs, you know what you was walking into. She was like, no, what were you and Kyle doing? I was like, well, he pinned me down. And like, you know, I think he was going to like kiss me and stuff. And he tickled me. And she was like, he did that. Were you scared? And I was like, I wasn't scared, but you know, he could have raped me. But as a joke, I didn't actually think he would. But I just said, you know, he could have raped me. Oh gosh, you have no filter, girl. No filter. And she went... <laughs> Are you saying that Carl raped you? And I said, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he pushed me down on the bed. I kind of liked it, actually. And she was like, I don't think this happened. I was like, no, no, it did happen. I'm telling you it happened, but don't tell anyone. Oh, <laughs> London. <laughs> Honey. <laughs> but <laughs> here you are. You're still telling everybody all your business. Now I you're know. doing it on stage. I know. <laughs> by the end of the school day, I just remember going to the bathroom, to the toilets, and I'm in the toilet stall, and these girls are washing their hands, and one of them goes, London's going to get fucked up tonight. 
And the other one's like, why? It's like, because she's going around saying that Kyle raped her and mm. Roseanne really likes Kyle. So Roseanne's going to punch her up. And I was like, oh, so I ran out of the store crying like, please don't let her do this to me. And she was like, don't worry, don't worry. We'll have your back. We'll have your back. We'll just go and we'll go outside. You won't fight Roseanne. It will be fine. And they pushed me out the school gates and there's like a whole crowd of people, like literally like fight night. Everybody's there waiting. And Roseanne's this big girl, big, big girl. And she's just ready to knock my lights out. And she's like, so what, you're saying that Kyle likes you? Did you say that? And I was like, I didn't say that. Did you say that Kyle raped you? I didn't say that. Bang in my face. And I was like, oh my God. And then as I like get up, Kyle arrives. And I think Kyle's here to save the day. And Kyle tries to hit me too. So I drop my bag. Are you kidding me? Nope. I drop my bag and run. Kyle gets on a bike and gets like, his belt has like spikes on it. And he chases me on his bike (gasps) with these spikes on his belt. This is assault. This is terrible. And I'm running for my life. And no one is helping you. No one is helping me. A few girls picked up my books and stuff, made sure. I think Kyle was going to stamp on my phone. So a girl took my phone so he couldn't do that. Another girl took my bag. And anyone who helped me, my dad gave them all a book voucher. (laughs) They all got rewarded. But yeah, I ran all the way home. And by the time I got home, uh, Roseanne, who lived around the corner from me, had caught up with me. And she was like, why are you crying? Like nothing ever happened. This is, I can't, I'm trying to like, wrap my head around this story yeah this is so disturbing so disturbing so I have those things okay so we also need to you hope you remember first and last names yeah (laughs) we have have the thank you list yeah and then we have the fuck you list (laughs) (laughs) literally but yeah but I got an apology my dad works in mysterious ways he had a really high up job in the school board and he when I told him what happened two days later I was sitting in front of Kyle and his mum and Kyle was apologising then I was sitting in front of Roseanne her mum and dad whilst Roseanne was crying and their parents were apologizing so I got my apology and everything was fine but I can't believe that I have a history of guys like being attracted to me and then openly denying yeah treating you like a secret like a secret or treat me badly so So I have this weird I've carried it into my 30s I'm Mm -hmm. 31 you're still healing it yeah you're still healing it yeah I mean it takes a long time to heal these things yeah I mean I'm glad that you can talk about it oh yeah I can talk about anything but I know you can but like that's like on a serious note though that is a, like a seriously traumatic. Isn't it? I mean, I have my little like trauma story and it's so <laughs> pales in comparison to yours. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so sorry, honey. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I feel oh. like that is the reason why, even though I know I'm a queen and I love myself and I know what I bring to the table, just solely on looks, I still have a little thing that's like, mm-hmm. I wonder, maybe yep. I'm not that hot. Mm-hmm. But I am, I know I'm hot, but maybe yeah. I'm not. You know what I decided about years ago? Because I never thought I was attractive either. Yeah. Listen, n- none of the boys liked me either. I mean, it okay. wasn't, it was, or actually the boys liked you. Yeah. They were just. Didn't admit it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. The, I think there were boys who liked me, but I didn't know. So I. I think that's the case. I felt like nobody liked me. And so anyway, but as I got older, I just realized like, okay, beauty is so subjective. Like That's so true. Like the person that you think is the most beautiful person in the world. There are so many people who look at that person and be like, ew. Ew. 100%. Right. And so. Once I really thought about that, I was like, okay, beauty is so subjective, so why don't I just make myself my own standard of beauty? Ooh, yes, funny. And and I'm not saying that, like, that's 100% all the time how I feel, but it did a lot. It did a lot for me. I was just like, oh, it definitely did this for me. I never felt like, like, if a guy didn't like me, I just was like, well, I, I want somebody who likes me. Exactly. So, so he doesn't like me, then... Then what? that's your loss. Like, what am I going to do about that? Yeah. Like, 
I, I know. So I think it helped me to not have it be like, it's because I'm ugly. Or but I, I feel like way, or, that's good. Because I feel yeah. like I need to get to that level of if a guy doesn't like me. Because I'm like, a guy might not like me for my looks, but he'll like me for my personality. And I shouldn't even have the personality as a as a thing because I'm hot enough for you to just like me for my looks. <laughs> but but also, for some reason. But also, do you want somebody who just likes you for your yes, looks? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, I do. I'm shallow. You want to be like... I wanted someone to be like, London Hughes is just the hottest piece of ass Well, you ever. are. I no. want someone to objectify me. I mean, you've been objectified, honey. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I want someone to think I'm a pinup. I want, some, I want me to be someone's screensaver on their iPhone. That's I'll, what I want. I'll put you as my screensaver. No, it's your show, you and your man. But I can change it to you. No, that's a pity one. I, I want a real... <laughs> I want someone to genuinely think I'm hot enough to be on the front cover of their phone. Okay, I, mean, I guess it would be weird to be like, why do you have... Who's this? Yeah, is yeah. that your daughter? It's, is that yours? Yeah. No <laughs> way! Like, like is that your girlfriend and you'd be like yes 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 yeah but yeah no it's Aww. just it's just well uh, you've been through you've been through a lot romantically speaking yeah. and everyone who watches to catch a dick is catching dick a phrase that you coined yes it is i want to say i did coin it but just like i feel like i coined the phrase live your best life and people telling me i didn't no maybe not i feel like i did that was oprah i don't know anyone else <laughs> i don't know anyone else around me that was saying it when i was saying that it. was oprah was it Oprah? Yeah, it was Oprah? Okay, if it could be Oprah. Yeah. If it's Oprah, then that's fine. Oh, I've heard a great story about Oprah that mm. she um she met my friend and um what she does is when she meets new people is she holds their hands and she shakes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you think that she's just being Oprah, like being like, Oh, I'm just shaking your hand. No, she's feeling your energy. So if she holds on to you mm. for a long time, that means, means she, she fucks with you. you. But if she goes, hey, and puts her hands down, she's she not don't fuck with you. you. So when I meet Oprah, I'm gonna hold on for your life. <laughs> and so she shakes Oprah's, me. Oprah's gonna love you. Hopefully. Yeah. My mum will die when I meet Oprah. Like, that's the only thing she cares about. <laughs> like that's the only, she doesn't understand anything apart from my career, apart from if I meet Oprah. Then you've made it. Then I've made it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel that same way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's you know, queen. She's great. She's, she's a billionaire. Do you know a billion is 23 years? <laughs> I do know. So do you know that like, if a... <laughs> okay, let's, please explain it to me, London. Do you know that like, if like it was a dollar for a minute? Yeah, okay, let me explain. <laughs> okay, for those of you who are listening, I just told London this about an hour ago for the first time. She's trying to act like she just, okay, this is, I can't even take credit for this. Take credit for, for this metaphor analogy but this is a way to think about money because when it comes to money and big amounts of money it can feel very abstract like you hear a billion and you're like oh billion that sounds like a lot of money but you don't really understand how much money that is so if you imagine that one dollar equals one minute so if you have ten dollars to your name you have ten minutes okay so if you have a million dollars that's 11 days and if you have a billion dollars, that's 23 years. Oy, I can't get over it. <laughs> I literally cannot get over it. Yes. So Jesus. if you think about it that way, and if you have, you know, a negative net worth, then, you know, you're not even at a day yet. You're not Ugh. even at a minute. You're not even at a second. Ugh. And there are people out here who got centuries. Ugh. People out here with a hundred so billion dollars. Three billion. Yeah, so she's got, you know, she's got, uh, she's got Jesus. some, she's got some real decades. Jeez. <laughs> what about that Jeff Bezos? He's on a trillion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, he's, yeah, I mean, it's Apparently, it's if absurd. he could solve world hunger, hunger and still have billions. It's, no one should have that much money. 
there's like too many people in this world who have nothing and it's not even real it's all just you know zeros and ones on a computer and it's all like speculative and anyway that's a whole other conversation but before so I want to ask you though because you know you came to me first asking me for dating advice yes Yes, I did and you gave it to me and I want to know with all these experiences that you've had and now you've dated in London and you've dated in LA what is the dating advice that you have for people My dating advice for people, it varies on the country. My dating advice for people in LA or America in COVID (laughs) would be get out there. Like, I'm not doing it right now because they're beneath me, but they're not beneath everyone. But get (laughs) out are you talking get about? on the apps get on the apps get yourself out there i'm not on the apps they're beneath me but you guys why are the apps beneath you they're beneath me personally because where i'm going in my career it's very hard to meet guys on the internet that are even anywhere close to where i'm going so, i feel like i'm gonna have to meet a guy at work okay but well that's a whole other conversation but beneath is that the word you really want to use no you, you don't want to use dad. that word i'm saying <laughs> for comical reasons i know it's not beneath for me. people who don't know you and for don't people who and don't, don't know, know you in your it heart sounds crazy <laughs> it sounds like i think i'm above it it sounds like that i'm the type of person that thinks the status comes with what your job is and that's not the case but i've been on dating apps you're like for but years. they're beneath me no, I've been on <laughs> for years and the type of guy I feel like the type of guy that I'm looking for is not only not on a dating app if he is it's rare and I've got to go through so much of what I'm not looking for Mm -hmm. whereas if I was in a different part of my life if I was a bit more my career I had my career already planned out I was an accountant I was a broker I I sold houses I could go on apps and find someone who's similar or was on their way to doing it or had surpassed me whereas I'm trying to be comedy Beyonce at this point in my life (laughs) and I think it's very rare that I'm going to go on Hinge and find a man that's on his way to being comedy Jay-Z. But you don't want... ready. Do you want comedy Jay-Z? Yes, I want my empire. I want you the power couple. This romanticization of the power couple, I think this is not helping with you love. You are not helping with love. I think that... <laughs> no, I, you're right. But I feel like even if I don't have a comedy Jay-Z, mm-hmm. the fact that I want to be comedy Beyonce is a lot for men to handle. It is a lot for men to handle. But here's the thing I'll say about that. And this is for everybody who's listening because there are a lot of people who feel the same way. Like, you know, I'm successful. I have this. I have these ambitions. And I need a partner who has that same level of ambition or success. But I would just urge you to consider the possibility (laughs) that actually, like, what you really need is somebody who is going to be your biggest cheerleader you know, emotionally support you and just be a partner to you, right? Be a really I definitely great partner want a partner. You. And so that may be somebody who's very career you know, driven and, you know, maybe financially successful or whatever and whatever his chosen but industry, it but it might not be. But if he's not, then say if he's like really career driven, but broke, mm-hmm. how are we going to go to the Hamptons? Like, okay, so like my boyfriend, he's a scientist. And like scientists, I mean, he makes, you know, decent money, but like I have much more earning potential than he does. Yes. Okay. And so, but my point is though, is like, I'm happy because he's my partner and he holds me down. And also he can support himself. It's not like I'm supporting him, but But (laughs) let me be clear. But what if you had to support him? Then I would be fine. If I had to, like, actually, I fully hope to get to the place in my life one day where we have a house that like, he's not paying for half of that house. What's he paying for? He's paying for what he can pay for. So do you genuinely, like... I'm fine to subsidize my partner to live a lifestyle that I want to live. I feel like this is different because you're already in love with the man. Like, that's how I would feel if I had a boyfriend from London, then he moved with me out to LA and I became a star. Like, it's my boyfriend from London when I was broke, of course. But... 
I ain't broke now. And I'm on my way to being comedy Beyonce. So like, who am I paying for? Like, I'm not going to meet a guy on Hinge and him not be able to pay for himself. Like, as long as he, if I'm going to the Hamptons and I pay for me, I'm fine. As long as you can pay for you. I'm meeting guys on Hinge that can't even pay for them. Let me, well, okay. Obviously you need somebody who can support himself. I'm just, just, just real quick, just to wrap this up. <laughs> Oprah <laughs> is a billionaire. Is Stedman Graham a billionaire? No. Her partner? No. But did she meet him before the glow up? Before no, the money? No, she met him when she was like, when she was already had the Oprah but show. I feel like when you're a billionaire, I mean, she, I don't know if she was a billionaire mouth. already, but. Oh, okay. Well, but she was on TV. She had a successful TV show when they I met. If I was a billionaire, I wouldn't mind if my husband wasn't. Whereas right now, I'm 100,000 eh? <laughs> <laughs> air. I would like for my guy to be equal to that or above, please. Or maybe a smidgen below, but nothing. I'm sorry, I can't. Well, I think I understand what you're saying. And I'm not saying that maybe in most cases, you are going to be more compatible with somebody who is at a similar level but financial. But not even just financial, but it's a lifestyle no, as well, Bobby. No, 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 I totally get it. I totally get it. I guess I just wouldn't want you to just categorically decide. Because the thing is, there are a lot of men in this industry who have a lot of money and a lot of success. And you, you, don't, want, you don't want anything to do with them. Yeah. And there are a lot of very successful men who women say oh he's successful so he won't be intimidated by my success and he'll yeah he'll root for me and that's and not, not the, the case. case so yeah all, right. all i say this is to say is to think about what is the reason like the reason that you want somebody who's you know wants to be comedy jay-z it's because you're looking for somebody who has ambition who has passion who, who is, understands the who's, industry who's not well you nobody understands this industry i mean you're learning this industry like it's no but understands that like in terms of, for example, I've dated guys where I'm nowhere near as big as I'm gonna be. Like, this is me on the come up. And it's like, if you can't even handle it now, like I've dated yes. guys in England who can't even handle when someone asks you for an autograph or someone wants a picture and they're like, <laughs> and it's like, you should be happy that your girl is doing so well that people are stopping her in the they street. Be, but, but that's why it's like, it's not just about what he has it's about Them who he is okay well and if his you're confidence to this, mr right so <laughs> you've heard everything and it applies to you then so, i'm right here so you basically in studio city <laughs> i took your dating advice and i was like that's not good i'm gonna rewrite it but i love you <laughs> as long as it gets me a dick i don't care franny like I, beggars can't be choosers i'm saying all this but right now i'll settle for a man with a penis <laughs> because i haven't caught dick since Oh, Jesus. Since January. <laughs> like, it's crazy. It is a global pandemic. It's a glo- I don't know if you know, but it's a global pandemic. I heard. It's like dickless Groundhog Day. I heard. Every day is the same day, no dick. Every <laughs> single day. So I'm saying all this stuff like, oh, I want comedy. I will settle for comedy Urkel. I love you. I love you too. One last question for you. What? <laughs> now that you're in tears. What? Okay, this is a podcast about love. We talked a lot about dick. We talked a lot about diseases as well. And also infectious we diseases. Ha- the one thing we haven't spoken about is, is love. Is I love. Think. But we're going we're gonna to wrap it up with love. Right. So if you had a megaphone mm-hmm. that was loud enough for the whole world to hear, mm-hmm. and you kind of do, <laughs> yeah. um, and you could send out one message about love, what would that message oh. be? Oh, like love is in relationships? Just or- love. Whatever that means to you. Um, I would basically it would be about the love of the human race so it would probably mm. be something along the lines of we're all just bones and stardust ooh because that's all we are really so poetic thank you so much <laughs> thank you so much goodness she's a comic <laughs> she's a writer she's an executive producer ah, ah, she's a trendsetter she's single she's single uh, she's a dancer single, and she is single, a poet <laughs> but she's single <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap up this podcast so we can handle everything else. Yeah, we need to talk off air because now I need therapy. (laughs) 
Thank you for being here, honey. Thanks for having me. <laughs> there you have it. I told you she was hilarious. Isn't she amazing? I love you, London. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for listening. I really, really appreciate you. Thank you to those of you who have taken the time to leave a review and to rate the podcast. I just can't thank you enough. It warms my heart so much to read your reviews and it just, you know, it helps with podcasts. So thank you so much. And if you enjoyed this episode, please, please share it with anybody you think would benefit and who likes to laugh and feel inspired. I mean, who who doesn't? Um, and of course, if you haven't yet rated the podcast five stars, I'd totally appreciate that. And shout out to everyone who's listening all around the world. I appreciate you guys so much. And I also want to invite you guys to check out the True Love Society. So if you go to www.thetruelovesociety.com, that is my new online membership community. And you are invited to join us and get some support and some resources about love and dating and how to really design a life that you love. So that is what the True Love Society is all about. And I'll be talking more about that in upcoming episodes. But for now, just wanted to invite you to check it out. We'd love to have you. And um, yeah, that's it. Stay safe, stay healthy, vote, (laughs) register to vote. Those of you who are in the U.S., you know, we've got a big election coming up and your voice matters. So please participate and be safe. Thanks for listening.